Well, good afternoon and welcome once again to a, another edition of Banker with the Beer. We have a, another great guest for you today. Today we are honored to have a veterinarian in the house today. We have uh, Dr. Nelson. She is a veterinarian and she has a number of practices here in western Wisconsin and a new practice going up in the Twin Cities. So welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, very, very welcome. Uh, so we'll just start off a little bit by just asking, you know, who is Dr. Kara Nelson? Okay. All right. Well, I am a Minnesota native. I grew up in the Twin Cities, grew up in Northeast Minneapolis. Um, I lived there my whole life and knew from an early age I wanted to become a veterinarian, so went straight through vet school. Um, I went from vet school into emergency medicine as a veterinarian and then um, kind of maybe climbed the ranks a little bit to be a medical leader, medical director, more of leadership. Um, and I ended up uh, leaving a practice to start my own clinic here in Eau Claire. So you have a kind of a specialty as a emergency veterinarian. What is an emergency veterinarian or emergency veterinary clinic as opposed to just a regular veterinary practice? Yeah, so emergency veterinarians or an emergency clinic tends to be kind of a catch-all in a way. So we basically do everything except for vaccines which would be considered standard and, and not an emergency, and uh, spaying and neutering pets. But every pretty much everything else we see. So a pet is sick, a pet is not feeling well. Um, certainly the things that you might tend to think about in human medicine would be trauma has happened, or um, especially in pets, they've eaten something that they shouldn't have. Um, those, those are the things we see. We also don't um, take appointments, so it's... It ends up being a first-come, first-served basis, but we do triage cases. So we'll see that hit-by-car pet before we see a stable pet that maybe has just been throwing up for a day. Now, my understanding is that you are open literally, you're not open during the day, it's just nights and weekends, correct? Here in Eau Claire, that's correct. So we're only open, or we created our hours in Eau Claire to be the times when the normal daytime practices are not open. So that tends to be 5 p.m. during the weekdays. We're open all night through the night until 8 a.m. the next morning. And then on the weekend, starting Friday night, we'll open at 5 p.m. and then be open 24 hours, rolling through the weekend until 8 a.m. on Monday. So with that, are you kind of considered to be a, um, a partner to existing practices or a threat? Or how, I mean, how, how does that relationship yeah. work? I would definitely describe it more as a, a partnership. Absolutely, um, because the majority of what we do are, I mean, they might be cases that the daytime vet can't get in, um, especially with COVID and increased adoption of pets um, and also people staying home with their pets and just seeing more problems in their pets and bringing them in. We can act as an overflow to the day practices when they can't see that case today. Um, but it's definitely more of a partnership where we want to work with the day practices on seeing their cases, um, handling them at the highest level of medicine and taking care of those patients. But then those patients go back to their day practice for, again, the standard care. So uh, let's, let's start a little bit and I'll go up back a little bit. So how, what, other than just liking animals, I guess, was, what was kind of, where was your epiphany moment where you go, geez, you know, veterinary medicine, 
that's what I want to do. And yes. it, 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 it lasted beyond just a, a, an occurrence. You actually went through the practice, went through the schooling. Uh, what, at what point in your life was there a, uh, do you have a favorite pet or just you always liked animals or how did that, how did that come to be? Yes. Yeah. So we're, we're going back way far. We're going back to the early eighties. Um, I think my family knew that I wanted to be a vet when I was four years old. Uh, they, they knew I always loved pets. We had cats growing up. And uh, I think when I was four years old, my mom was helping me fill out uh, like an all about me book. Uh, it's a book written by Dr. Seuss or created by Dr. Seuss. And one of the questions is, there, when I grow up, I want to be, and you fill in the blank. So I still have that book um, when we created it and I, I wrote veterinarian. And then from that time on, that's, that's always what I said I wanted to be. Um, going through schooling then, uh, I got good grades and, you know, continued to say, yep, I, I want to be a veterinarian. I will say I really didn't necessarily know what it meant to be a veterinarian, what it really means to be a veterinarian until probably high school. Um, I started to work at, um, the University of Minnesota, uh, on the, as a kennel staff. And it's like, oh, okay, like you see some pretty bad things. <laughs> You're seeing pets that are sick. Um, it's not just like, oh, this is a cuddly kitten that, you know, I, I can sit with and pet today. There's a, a lot of different things that it's like, oh, okay, being a veterinarian means taking care of pets that are sick. Um, it doesn't always end in, uh, in a happy ending, although there's a, a lot of benefit, obviously, that veterinarians bring to the end of a pet's life. Um, so going to vet school then, uh, I, I only applied to Minnesota. I was able to get in. Minnesota's a great school. They, at, at least at that time, they did see the highest caseload of patients. And so it was a really great experience there. And it wasn't until I was in vet school that I determined that I wanted to be an emergency veterinarian and not a day practice veterinarian or not a surgeon or not large animals. Well, it, it, to me, that would be a little unsettling because obviously with an emergency cases, you're dealing with animals that are in trauma. I mean, this is a just, you aren't petting the, the, the dog or the cat or, you know, that, that more of a, in my case, it's a pleasant experience is you're, you're dealing with a, 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 an animal in, in crisis and, you know, owners in duress. I mean, how do you deal with that? Yeah. Um, I, in some ways, it, it's obviously exciting. Um, it, it's obviously sad, but what I find the most joy in is is seeing those patients and and helping them to healing or um, having a stressed owner um, with their sick pet and helping them through that. So I find more joy in that than what I might find in um, giving vaccines to that kitten, for example. So, so is having, I guess, how can I put this gently, is your practice as much about the owner as is about the, the actual pet? I would say for any, any, especially small animal veterinary practice, absolutely. Really? They're, they're, um, uh, if somebody goes into veterinary medicine thinking it's just about the pets, they will be surprised. To know, and there's always a, a, a person attached to that pet or a family attached to that pet. And so... Um, it, it ends up, you're dealing with, yes, the, the pet, and you're dealing with the owner, the client. So how, how does that interaction work? I mean, can you kind of classify people a little bit? I mean, what kind of personalities would walk in the room along with the injured animal? Yeah. We see everybody. So um, 
you know, with emergency, we see all sorts of cases. And the person attached to that pet, it could be, I mean, it could be um, a teenage college student that has a cat that's been throwing up for three days or has eaten something it shouldn't. It could be an 80-year-old man who, um, you know, maybe recently got a puppy and it ran out the front door and was hit by a car. Um, we see families bringing in their pets. We see couples bringing in their pets. So um, I, I really couldn't even give some sort of demographic to say to say what we see other than we see pet owners. And there's a wide spectrum of what that is. Well, and just one final question on that that line of thinking. But what advice do you have? But being what for for those of us who are pet owners, what sorts of mindset should we have when we go in to, to visit you a vet visit a vet? vet to make the experience as good as possible for both for you and for our pet? Yeah. Um, from the emergency perspective, I would say having the same having the same mindset as if you're going to the emergency room. So um, again, we don't take appointments. Uh, we're, you know, we might be excessively busy because it's a nice day outside and lots of people were outside with their dogs and their dogs are getting into things or, or getting traumatized in some way. Um, and so having the same mindset as a human emergency room, um, that there uh, could be wait times. Um, I think that it's probably good to maybe kind of realize that if you are waiting a while and you see that there's a lot of busyness happening in the clinic, it's probably because we're dealing with pretty sick or pretty um, terrible things in the back and that's why you're having to wait. Um, I would say most people are, are very understanding of, of that, um, but sometimes, occasionally, we do get people who um, maybe think their pet should be seen at all costs or that they should be kind of the head of that pet that might literally be dying. Sure. So, so you must, you or your staff must kind of triage these animals as they come in saying, okay, who, who gets to go in at what time? Right. Right. Yep. So we triage. Uh, we'll even, if we have the ability to try to triage even over the phone, um, we'll do that. We have a lot of people that call in to ask questions about their pet or should I be seen. We're happy to help them as much as we can on whether or not they should come in tonight or could they wait until the next day. Um, but when that pet actually comes in, we do an initial evaluation. So we'll get the pet's temperature and heart rate, um, their weight and things like that and get some idea from the owner what's been going on with the pet. Um, there are certain things that we're looking for to know who gets seen first, um, but those things that are actively <laughs> trying to pass away or um, you know, bleeding everywhere or um, not moving, those are things that we're going to see before another pet that seems stable. Okay. I'm more of kind of a practical nature. What's the best way to transport an ill animal to your office? Um, I would say most uh, most dogs are going to be leashed. That would be the, the best way to come in. Um, for cats, uh, having a carrier readily available, if something were to happen, uh, that could be easily accessed and, and the cat placed in it. Um, those would, I would say those would be the two kind of basic. Now, do you service all types of animals or just basically dogs and cats? Do you exotic animals, large animals, I mean, what sorts of, yeah. what's your, your world? Yes. So we are just uh, strictly dogs and cats. Um, uh, there are specifically large animal veterinarians. Uh, veterinarians as a whole have been trained to treat or know information about all 
all animals, um, but people tend to choose, do I want to treat cows and horses, or do I want to treat cats and dogs? It's within that cat and dog realm that some people may choose to do exotic pets, like snakes or guinea pigs, um, and things like that, or birds, for example, um, but uh, we're trained best and more experienced with dogs and cats. What are your busiest times? I know you, 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 you do nights and weekends, but it's early evening, middle night. Does, does it, is, yeah. is there a time that usually is more of a, of a bewitching hour than others or not necessarily? Yeah. Um, I would say, I'd say probably busier times are going to be when people are normally awake. Um, so when we open at 5 p.m. on a weeknight, um, we're, we're going to be busier in that uh, beginning part of the shift and not so much at three or four in the morning when most people are sleeping, unless the person wakes up to find, oh my goodness, my pet is having a hard time breathing or has been throwing up overnight. Um, weekends tend to be busy as well. Um, and again, most people are home with their pets um, or they, especially again on a nice day, they're outside with their pet um, and things happen and they, they need to bring them in. So what's the wild story of a pet emergency that you can share? Oh my goodness. Hmm. Oh, I was not expecting this. I'm going to have to think on that for a minute. Hmm. I, we see so many things. Uh, they, they end up kind of blurring together a little bit. Um, I mean, we've seen let's say an outdoor cat who, um, especially being free range, you know, they're maybe going into the neighbor's yard and maybe a neighbor um, shoots the cat with an arrow Ooh. and the client comes in the cat and the arrow still, still attached. Yeah. Um, and the cat, then the cat alive, I will say that as well. <laughs> um, we see, oh my goodness, dogs who have eaten golf balls. Um, I, again, to, to me, unfortunately, it's kind of like, hey, these are like daily occurrences. So, so what would I think is kind of out of the norm? A lot of times it's eating things that shouldn't be eaten or, um, yeah, trauma cases would be, the, the arrow would be example, or, uh, you know, being hit by the four-wheeler or, um, the dog, the, in similar to the golf ball story, a dog loves to chase and, and get golf balls, but while the owner was mid-swing on the ball, the dog went to get it and was accidentally hit. Ooh, ouch. Yeah. That's a bad day. Well, so, Not good. So do you have eight pets? Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> we currently have three cats. Um, they are, one of, one of my children is allergic to cats. So we have uh, cats that are called Devon Rex cats, which are much shorter hair. Um, they tend to be less allergic, um, and he does very well with them. So we have three. Well, that's awesome. Uh, this, so, I mean, you work, and how often do you work these hours? I mean, it, yeah. it's, it's kind of a working the, the graveyard in a stressful situation. I mean, yes. that's got to be difficult. And, and, and how do you deal with all that, with that stress? Yeah. Yes. So when we opened the clinic last summer, um, we actually opened it with just me as the doctor. We had a group of maybe a dozen technician and nurses and um, front desk team. And so when we first started, for the first, um, for the first few months, it was mostly me um, and 
I was working in the clinic about 120 hours a week. Um, Whoa. Since then, <laughs> since then, we've hired more doctors uh, and really amazing group of veterinarians that enjoy emergency medicine. Um, some of them are new to emergency medicine, and they're they're just excelling. And I'm assuming you've been very busy. Yes, yes, we have been. Um, when we opened Eau Claire, uh, we um, kind of, you know, we were we were busy to begin with, and then we got a lot busier as people knew we were in the area. Um, a few months after opening Eau Claire, we opened our urgent care location in Hudson because we were seeing a lot of people traveling from Minnesota to come see us because they couldn't get into any of the emergency clinics in the Twin Cities. Really? Yes, it was very busy. Very busy time. And now you're looking at opening a third facility, I understand. We have a third location that we opened um, this spring in Minneapolis. Um, that one is a 24-hour clinic, so it's open all day and night, perpetually. Um, but we're looking at opening a fourth location in the North North Twin Cities. Wow. So are, are you still acting as, are you still working as a vet? Are you still managing these offices? And I think you've got, you know, time for a, a family. And... Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yes, I, I do still work. I, I love working on the floor. I love working less than 120 hours on the clinic floor. Um, so I do still work in the, in the clinics. I'll work at any of the locations. Um, uh, it's just less. And I probably serve more as a medical director where um, just assisting with the hiring of doctors, the training of new doctors. Now we do, um, this summer we hired three new newer graduates, so interns, um, helping to train them. And, uh, but yes, working on the floor is still something I very much enjoy. Now, I know there have been ever more procedures developed for humans that are now available for pets. So, A, how do you keep up with these? <laughs> and then, you know, and what are these kind of procedures do you offer that maybe even five or ten years ago weren't available? Yes, um, that's a good question. I, the clinics that I worked at prior to opening the Allied Emergency Clinics, um, they were uh, emergency clinics as well, um, and they were emergency and 24-hour uh, specialty clinics. So over the past maybe 20 or more years, veterinary medicine for, for all animals, but I'll talk specifically about small animals, has gotten more specialized. So there are some people who, uh, some veterinarians who decide to do further training to be surgeons and all they do is surgery or to be um, a cardiologist and they're, they're literally focused on the heart of, of the pet. Um, and so that, that's my background is an ER doctor in that setting. So, so are there actually, I mean, are there subspecialties? You know, is, is there's, you know, veterinarian, cardiologists, pulmonologists, you know, orthopedics? I mean, the yes. whole, the whole yes. Yes. gambit? Yes. In, yeah. Um, so the, the typical ones are going to be surgeons and internal medicine doctors. Um, but other, when you say subspecialty, I think of things like radiology or um, cardiology, dermatology. Though those are the more common, uh, more common types of specialty. So when you, you, know, you obviously deal with all to say, so cats and dogs, which eliminates a lot of animals, but still within dogs, there's a, a Shih Tzu and a St. Bernard are also, there's a lot of differences there as well. 
from the anatomy standpoint and you know from the medical standpoint how difficult it is like within the different breeds um is it a different skill set mindset minor variations how does that work yeah yeah um the let's say the the body of an animal um tends to be fairly similar uh, fairly similar when you talk about different breeds there are certain diseases um, or conditions that some breeds may get more often just genetically or based on their conformation. Um, so those are the things that were taught in school or we learn or remember along the way. Um, but if I see uh, if I see a Shih Tzu with heart failure or if I see a Great Dane with heart failure, I'm going to treat those two pets similarly. Um, I'm going to change the dosage of medication based on their body weight, but I might think of different uh, heart conditions for the Shih Tzu than I think about for the Great Dane. Okay, so how which which brings up a a, a great question, and I, I'll be gentle with this, but I'm a, I'm a banker on this side. But you know, so when as your ability to be able to offer more and more invasive procedures for these animals, um, obviously there's expense involved. How do you make the determination, or who or is it the owner? How does that determine is saying, well, we can do something, but it's going to be expensive. How does how do you have go through that process first yourself, and then with with the owners? Yeah. So, uh, especially on emergency, with the types of cases that we see, or as our own group kind of expands to start to include specialty veterinarians. Um, we, we want to be able to offer the, the highest quality medicine. So um, at some point wanting to be able to offer a CT scan, uh, we do already do just more um, general ultrasound on dogs and cats, um, but offering maybe more advanced surgeries for, for pets. And um, for our group, again, specifically want, we want to offer the highest quality medicine but that doesn't necessarily mean that it, it um, can be afforded by everybody. And so typically our goal is to educate the owner on what's going on with their pet, what is available with us to help that pet, what, what even might be available um, uh, at a 24-hour clinic that maybe does already have specialists, what, what is available there if they were wanting to travel to the Twin Cities, um, that would be the closest location at this point to have um, a specialist take a look at a pet. And if that's not uh, affordable for uh, an owner, then we look at, well, what is, what is option B then? What could we do outside of um, a $2,000 CT scan? Or what, we could, what could we do outside of um, a few thousand dollar surgery? And so we try to look at um, giving the owner options, but we, we wanna make sure the owner knows everything that's available to them. We're getting kind of close with the end of our time, so I've got a couple more quick ones for you. Um, this, so there was a surge of pet ownership during the pandemic, and there was a fear that many of the pets would no longer be wanted when the pandemic had passed. Do you see that at all? I don't think. Uh, I, I personally haven't seen that. Um, I'm trying to recall if I've seen any recent articles that, that have specifically talked about that, especially with the rate of inflation um, right now. I mean, I, I'm certain there's probably some of that out there, but uh, typically people do become very attached to their pets. So um, even if somebody may have gotten a pet 
that uh, during COVID or that first year of COVID, um, I would find that most people would have a hard time giving that pet up. Yeah. Well, finally, just what do you do for fun? I mean, you obviously have a very uh, stressful job. Uh, you're opening these clinics. You are in, in full growth mode right now. Uh, what do you do to relax or just, just blow off some steam? Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. I, I open clinics for fun. Uh, that seems <laughs> seems to be the the, the past year or so. Um, I, I, I will say I really enjoy my job. I enjoy coming to work and, and working with clients and, and their um, their pets. But I have really loved in the past year or year and a half being able to offer um, employment to veterinarians who want to practice emergency medicine or for technicians, veterinary nurses, um, and front staff who want to work emergency medicine and be able to pay them well for sacrificing nights and weekends and holidays to to work there um, and to help them advance their knowledge, learn to be the best emergency veterinarian they can be or um, find some sort of work-life balance uh, with how hard they work when they're at the clinic. So if someone has an urgent issue with their pet, how do they find you? Um, that's a good question. I feel like uh, with emergency care, uh, maybe an owner would call their family vet first to see if they can be seen um, at the clinic. Uh, some family veterinarians have our phone number on their voicemail as somewhere to call. Um, if you were to Google emergency veterinarian Eau Claire, uh, hopefully will pop up on that search. Um, sometimes uh, they're calling another emergency clinic, uh, again in the Twin Cities, and if they have an inability to be seen, they will refer them to us. Can they self-refer? Can they just Absolutely. Show up and call yep, up and... Absolutely. I would say that most people call ahead just because uh, at the moment we are renting from um, a wonderful day practice. Uh, Westgate Animal Hospital is um, where we're renting space while our own building is being completed. Um, and so people usually do call ahead of time. They just want to make sure that we're still there at that location. Um, what are our hours um, and can their pet be seen? When will your new location be ready and where is it going to be located? Yeah. Um, we're hoping that it's going to be ready. Let's see, it's the end of July. I think we're hoping it'll be ready in the next three months or so. Uh, they're working really hard on that building. Um, and it's going to be located um, on Gulf Road. Uh, the full address is 2809 Gulf Road. Um, so uh, kind of just off the freeway there. Excellent. Well, we've been talking with Dr. Dr. Kara Nelson from uh, Allied Emergency Health. Uh, she has been offering some wonderful services here in the Chippewa Valley for emergency medical care. Um, their practice is open nights and weekends and holidays. And uh, if you need assistance in this area, you have uh, a friend who's a veterinarian who'll be able to help you out. So just want to thank you for listening to uh, Dr. Nelson and I talk over um, a beverage today. We did not have beer. Uh, I just went with a, 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 a water today. Uh, Sydney is having a water too, and uh, Dr. Nelson is having some some very high concocted coffee here with uh, chocolates and uh, some kind of overtone. So she's getting a a caffeine shot today. So if you like what you've heard, uh, please give Banker with the Beer a five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends about us and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Northwestern Bank website or wherever you listen from. Bank with the beer sponsored by Northwestern Bank, building stronger communities.
communities where people matter.